Thank you for connecting to the Bethany Chapel Sermon Link. Our prayer is that you will find the following sermon helpful and inspiring for your spiritual journey. If you are a visitor to this resource, or if you've not attended our church, we would love to meet you in person. Our vision at Bethany Chapel is opening doors to God's truth and love. God bless you as you listen. Listen, what a tough year. Stephen, in his prayer, talking about how difficult 2021 was. Uh, all the uncertainties. And I, I've been thinking a lot about this. I like to uh, scuba dive. I like to love to snorkel. And one time I was on the Great Barrier Reef and we're doing some diving and snorkeling. And my guest, uh, or my host, that was looking after me, he said, do you know the Great Barrier Reef, he's an Australian, he said, the Great Barrier Reef is dying. And I said, well, tell me about it. He said, yeah, all the coral is dying. But there's one place where it's thriving. I said, well, where's that place? He said, where the waves are crashing against it. And it hit me. You know, the coral, when the water's calm, is dying. But where the waves crash against it, they're being cleansed, and it's thriving. And I thought about 2021. And I thought, you know, that's, that's the way it is, isn't it? When are you closest to God? When times are good, when times are great, or when times are tough? I'd like to say I'm closest to God when times are great. Lord, bring them on. <laughs> but I know about myself, I am close to God when times are tough. This morning, as I look at this year, I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles or a pocket version on your phone, open up to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read out of the New International Version. But I want to take a look at just some of the verses here and talk about what I'm looking forward to in 2022 and things I want to be committed more to in 2022. I'm going to read, start at verse 1 and read the, I guess it's 12 verses, 11 verses. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, with his, the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in other boat, the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. First, this. I, I think I've got like five points this morning. I always say in, in my church, in the CMA, where I was uh, a pastor for a few short years, we preached three points. My mother-in-law used to say, well, you know, we're Baptist, Sean. When you come to our church, you can preach more. I said, well, you need more points because you're Baptist. So... <laughs> I've got five points. That was funny. It's okay to laugh at <laughs> Unless you're a Baptist. 
Well, I think I've got six points for you this morning. First one is this. Take note, Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee preaching the word of God. There's your mandate for beach evangelism. Right there. If you feel called to go to the Caribbean or Hawaii, just make sure you preach the gospel and justify yourself. Uh, But here it is. Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee. He's preaching the word of God, and people are so anxious to hear it, they're pushing him into the water. They're crowded around him. My first point is very simple. It's this. This year, let us be committed to this word of God. Let this be a church where every Sunday or Saturday, whenever you have your services, midweek services, whatever it might be, let them preach the word of God. I find that there's a lot of TED Talks going on in churches. You know, you watch them and so seldom do they use scripture. Uh, So seldom do they preach a text. They'll bounce around sometimes from verse to verse to verse to verse. One of my professors in seminary, his name, a visiting professor, he said, he said listen, uh, he's speaking about a lot of things, and one of the students raised his hand and said, Dr. Tenney, is it okay to preach topically? Dr. Tenney thought about it for a moment, and he said, yes, it is. It's okay that you preach topically, but only once or twice a year, and only then after if you repent. And the point being, friends, this is the word of God. And I actually believe that people want to hear it. I believe they don't want to hear us mumble-jumble about all kinds of different things, about what we think, but what we believe and what we are convicted to in the Word of God, I still believe that people want to hear it. When you're on the train, when you're on a, going for a walk, when you're at Zoo Lights with 28,000 other Calgarians, and you have the opportunities, I think today people still want to hear the word of God. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce and divide soul from spirit. This is not like reading Time Magazine or the Calgary Herald. This is the word of God. And I think in my own life how much that needs to be a priority. Two ways. One, that I actually get into the Word of God and read it. That I make it a daily and consistent practice in my life. And secondly, that I actually talk about the Word of God because I believe people want to hear it. What was it said about Jesus? His preaching is different. It's one of power. Listen, I believe it, that when people, when we come to meet people, our friends, I'm all for friendship evangelism as long as it gets to the evangelism part. When I actually talk to my friends or my neighbors and say, hey, can, can I just tell you what I believe? And I talk to them about the word of God. You know, what? sometimes we feel like we've got to compete with Hollywood, which we can't. But I'll tell you what, Hollywood can't compete with us because the word of God is, is an extension of God himself. It is powerful. They're pushing Jesus into the water he looks over and he sees some fishermen over there. And they're, what are they doing? They're washing their nets. Now, you fish at night. They had fished all night and not caught a thing. I, I don't know about you, I love fishing, but if I don't catch some, something after 10 minutes, I think I'm done. Uh, maybe it's the, the, the idea that you'll catch something big. But if I'd fished all night and gotten in and had to wash my nets, I would have said, forget it, I'm gonna go home and have some bacon and eggs, well, not if I'm Jewish, but I'll have the eggs, and then I'll come back later and I'll wash the nets. Why do you have to wash the nets? Because the salt and the bacteria and all those different things that are in the water will corrode the nets and they'll break. So you have to come back and scrub your nets. 
Jesus looks over and he sees these fishermen there washing their nets. <laughs> I like that because I think that Jesus saw something special in them. Diligence, faithfulness. Uh, it, it, it amazes me the, the type of people that Jesus surrounded. Not many were bright. Not many were that smart. Not many were gifted in so many ways. But I think one quality that Jesus looks for in our lives is this quality of diligence and faithfulness. So often our lives are measured in a lot of things, but I think our lives as believers are often measured in the attention to details in the small things. You know, the people that come in after we all go home, that come in here and they'll pick up the, they'll pick up the brochures or the, the Sunday services or whatever they are, they come in and they see some garbage on the floor, they pick them up. Listen, I think that quality very much impresses Jesus. And I say about my life this year, I want it to be marked more by faithfulness and diligence in the little things. I don't really care about the big things. The people that impress me much are the people that do those little things that nobody else sees. The fishermen are over there washing their nets and I automatically think Jesus looked, he saw Simon and goes, I like these guys. So what does he do? He says to Simon, listen, uh, I need to borrow your boat. Gets in the boat, he sits down, he finishes preaching his message, the word of God, and then maybe by way of thanks, or maybe by way of testing Simon, he said, okay, Simon, what I want you to do now is I want you to put out into deep water and let down your nets. Simon's going, Lord, um, that was a good message. You're a good preacher. And I've heard you're a carpenter. I don't often feel like I should tell you how to build a house but you want to tell me how to fish? You don't catch fish during the day. You catch fish at night. But because you say so, I'll do it. Listen, can you picture this? The whole fisherman's guild is on the beach, along with all those people. They're listening to this. They're cleaning their nets too. And now they suddenly see Simon pushing out into deep water to let down the nets for a catch. Hey, guys, come quick. Look, look, look at the kook, Simon. He's going out fishing. You don't fish during the day, Simon. Oh. You know, sometimes when God asks you to be obedient, he may ask you to do something that you consider to be very strange, that there's no rhyme or good reason why you should do it. It does not make sense, Lord. I think obedience to God, it's the soil from which faith grows. And God will ask you to be obedient this year to something that might not make sense. Maybe he's already done that. But when God asks you to be obedient to something, are we gonna listen to him? You're gonna do it? And, and I guarantee you, people will be watching you. They'll be watching, watching, watching. And they'll see you do some very strange, what, what do you mean you're gonna sell your place? and go overseas and serve God? What, what do you mean you're gonna quit that good job because you feel you need to do something else that's far less in the amount it'll pay you, but God is asking you to do it? What, what, what do you mean that God is asking you to change? He might ask you to do some very strange things, but I'll tell you what, he's looking to see if you'll be obedient. And notice what happens when you are obedient. The miracle comes. 
They caught so many fish, they had to bring in their partners from the shore. Come out and help us. Our nets are breaking. We've caught so many fish. But the miracle came after the obedience happened. And I think so many of us, we want miracles. We want God to do this. We want God to do that. Oh, God, I'm trusting you for this. And yet God will ask us to be obedient on some little thing, and we'll say, I can't do that. Hmm. In 2022... I hope there's a characteristic of my life that is led in such a way that God sees I'm more obedient to him than I've ever been. And I want to tell you something. When God asks you to be obedient, he's going to do it publicly. You'll be tested publicly. Around your family, they'll think you're crazy. Around your colleagues, they'll think, I don't understand that doesn't matter if they understand it. It matters that you understand that God is asking you to do something and the the response of your heart is, yes, Lord, I will be obedient. I'll do what you ask. Will you do that? 2022. I I still believe that God is a God of miracles. What, What did Paul say in Romans chapter 15? He says, you know, I don't boast about anything. But what I will boast about is this, that I've won the Gentiles to faith by two things, by the way I've lived and by my message. There it is, friends. That's the gospel right there. By the way we live in compassion and by our message, what we proclaim verbally to people. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And then the next verse says, and it was through this then that the Holy Spirit did miracles. Do you believe that we have a God of miracles? Thank you. Yes, we do have a God of miracles. You say, well, we never see them. Well, I think one of the reasons why we don't see them is because we're not doing what comes before that. We're not winning the Gentiles to faith by the way we live and by our message. And when those two are brought together, the Holy Spirit is set free to do miracles. Not just in Africa, not just in Southeast Asia, not just in Afghanistan, right here in Calgary. God wants to do miracles. And you say, well, you're getting a little charismatic. Yes, I am, because I've seen God do miracles. And I had to go through this thing. In all the countries I've been, I've watched God do things. John Stott says we desperately need a theology of miracles to know why they happen and when they'll happen. But know this, where God's word is a fresh revelation, miracles will happen to validate the testimony of Jesus. Oh, I get it now. That's why I've seen so many miracles overseas. But you know what? God's word sometimes is just a fresh revelation here in Calgary. We've got people in our city who don't know if Jesus Christ was a race car driver, a boxer, or the son of almighty God. And when we have the boldness to actually live the faith and preach the faith, we're going to see miracles happen again. It's coming, friends. You know, we are in birth pains, aren't we? Matthew 25, talking about, you know, the end times. There will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines in various places. And the love of most will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness. And don't let your love grow cold. Wickedness is increasing for sure. But these are all birth pains. And what do you know about birth pains? They get more and more intense, closer and closer together, and the baby comes. The baby's coming. And in these days while we wait on them, in 2022, I want my life to be lived in obedience, expecting that God will do miracles, and God will bring in his timing these things to pass. Peter's reaction, I love it, catches all these fish. First thing out of his mouth, 
falls on his knees before Jesus and says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, don't miss this. You know what? I, I have a lot of charismatic friends who say, well, you know, speaking in tongues is a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I go, not necessarily. Might be. I'll tell you, what, what, what really is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit is an acute awareness of my sinfulness and his holiness. When I come in contact with God, it doesn't have to be, it can be in my closet, it can be in my bedroom, it can be in a church service. When I really come into contact with God, I'm going to be aware of how sinful I am, more importantly, how holy he is. And I'm going to fall before him on my face and drop down and feel like I need to say, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. What did Gideon, do you remember the story of Gideon when he's taking on the Midianites? He sneaks into the camp, he laid out the fleece, and it was, oh, now he knows he's supposed to take on the Midianites. God takes his army down to 300. He's going to take on 120,000 plus Midianites. He sneaks into the camp. God gives him a sign that he's still with them. He hears the dream of the two Midianite soldiers, and he knows that God is with them. And what does he do in the most unlikely place? Not a great place to be doing it in the enemy's camp. He falls on his face before the Lord. You know, we sing worship songs. Some of us like to lift our hands. Some of us don't feel comfortable doing that. But I think about this. I think sometimes I'm more worried what I look like when I'm worshiping and what other people are going to think about me if I lift my hands up to God. I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm just saying, guys, we ought not to be outdone in our worship of our Lord. Dr. Graham once said the first thing that he'd teach a new Christian, we were all listening, okay, what's he going to say? He's going to teach how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to study. You know, what's he going to say? He says, I'll teach him how to worship. I thought that was a strange answer. But then I think about it in my own life. The night I went forward as an 18-year-old, and the guy pulled out a Bible, and he read to me Psalm chapter 40, the first few verses. It said, I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord inclined his ear, and he answered me. He lifted me out of the muck and mire, and he set my feet upon a hard, firm path. He's given me a new song to sing, one of praises to him. Now all shall see and fear and put their trust in God. Did you catch it? God lifts me out of the muck and mire. My feet are now upon a hard, firm path. He's given me a new song to sing, and what is that song? One of praises to him. Now all shall see and fear and put their trust in God. Psalm 67, 67 says it like this. Let all the nations praise you, O Lord. Let all the nations praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest. And I tell people when this is right, this will always be right. When the, when the vertical is right, when I'm in worship to the Lord, not just Sundays in church, but in my life, it is lived in worship of the Lord, in my giving, in my sacrifice, in my obedience. In my commitment to the word of God, when my life is lived correctly, vertically, the horizontal will look after itself. Please believe that in 2022. Be committed. Be committed to worshiping God. There, when I, I've watched people worship dead gods all over the world. The Kubla Mela in India, India happens once every 12 years. Hindus from all over India come to where the Ganges and Yumna rivers come together, knowing that if they, can break them, if they can bathe in the river on this one sacred day or whole week, they'll break themselves out of the cycle of reincarnation. 
They have saved money. These poor Hindu families have saved up their money for 12 years so that they can make the pilgrimage and bathe in the rivers. Would I do that? I go to Kali's temple in Calcutta and they're sacrificing goats and the drums are beating and the priest comes out and he slits the goat's throat and they bathe in the blood. And I just go, oh, they are so committed to the worship of these gods. And I've said it to you before, then I, you know, Sundays when we could go out for lunch, you know, we, we gather around it and we're with our friends and family and we, we, we're going to pray before we eat and we, we bow our heads and we know that that girl standing there with the water jug or the coffee pot and we go, oh Jesus, thank you for our food, amen, sorry I didn't mean to inconvenience you, I was just praying. What? Now I'm not saying you need to stand on the table, tell everyone to bow, if you are, tell me, I want to come watch. But I'll tell you something, I don't want to be outdone by people who worship dead gods. And I say for this year, let us become worshipers of God. And then the power will come into our lives. Then we'll see that our witness to people has strength and power and we'll see people turn to our savior. What's Jesus' first words to Simon in this part? It's going to be a little hard for me. He said, Simon, don't be afraid. Do you know, don't be afraid is about as, it's used as much as any statement in the Bible. In fact, it's used 365 times. Isn't that good? One for every day of the year. Think of the whole Christmas story. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant. Zechariah is in the temple. He's uh, in the holiest of holies burning incense. The angel of the Lord appears to him. He's shocked. He, he, he's scared. The angel of the Lord appears to him. First thing out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Little Mary. 14-year-old Mary, probably. The angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appears to her and says, you're going to be with child. How is this possible? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. What's the first thing the angel says to her? Mary, don't be afraid. The shepherds out watching their sheep. The angel appears to them, tells them about the, the, the Savior's birth. What does the angel say to them? Don't be afraid. Simon's first words to Jesus are, go away from me for I'm a sinful man. Jesus' first words to Simon are, don't be afraid. Listen, I don't know what this year is going to hold. Last year wasn't a good year for me, my family. My wife passed away from cancer. One month short of our 40th anniversary. What a, what a tough year. Watching my athletic wife go from 130 pounds to 82 pounds. And I've been to all these countries. If there's a war zone, Chechnya, Rwanda, Somalia, Sudan, Congo, Afghanistan, Syria. I've been there. I often say I've been shot at and bombed at in more countries than most people can name. Now, I've been afraid. But nothing like this past year. Not knowing how I'll make it. And I'm watching my wife, who wasn't afraid of death but was afraid of what it feels like to die. And how many times did I go back to this and say, what are the first words out of Jesus' mouth so often, out of the angel of the Lord's mouth? Don't be afraid. To my heart, to my wife's heart, 
And I say, when you go through tough times, these two families that Stephen prayed for, oh, that God would tell them, speak to their hearts and say, don't be afraid, I got you. I've got you. And then I'll end with this, sorry I'm taking so long. You know, sometimes I think, the, the, if you ever want, Psalm chapter, chapter 11, yeah, I've written it down here. It says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? And then it says, but the Lord is on his throne in heaven. And when you see all these things collapsing around us, law and order collapsing around us, don't we see it? The craziness that is in Canada and United States and other countries, the Lord still sits on the throne in heaven. He is still in control. And say amen to that because it needs to be said, amen, God is in control. The last thing, and I end with this. Hey, they left everything and followed him. Because they found something so much more worth it. And I just want to say to you for 2022, let us be men and women that are committed to the Lord, who are get to the point where we say, Lord, all this is nonsense compared to the beauty and your grace. And we say to the Lord, if you ask me to leave this, to follow you, whether it's this job, whether it's all this income, whatever it is, Lord, I will do it because I found something better. How could Jesus ever say to us, unless you hate mother, father, brother, sister, you're not worthy to be my disciple? Did he mean that, that I'm supposed to hate my mother, father, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my children? Ah, no, what he really meant, friends, is if, he's, you know, if he could look at us, he'd say, if you only knew what I could do for you and how much I love you, that love for them, as powerful as it is, would seem like hatred because I am so much better. So for 2022, whatever the Lord asks of you, just know that he is so, so much better. I'll leave it there. Let me pray, and I'll turn it back over. Father, we don't know what this year will hold, the challenges that will come, the difficulties. But we do know, Lord, who holds this year, that you still sit on a throne, in heaven, you still judge, you still watch over, you are bringing about your righteousness, your word is still powerful, it is still changing lives, and in the midst of all the darkness that we see, the light will shine. So Father, in our lives, let it begin with us. And as we move into this year, Father, let us be committed to these kinds of things of obedience and worship, being committed to your word, being committed, Father, to expecting that you will bless your word and we'll see miracles. So, Father, will you bless people here, those that are hurting? Don't be afraid. Father, for those that you're asking to make some tough decisions, give them strength. Let them know your ever-loving kindness this day, that you are so worth it. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence and your word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this sermon. We hope you found it connected you to the God of truth and love who we worship and serve at Bethany Chapel. If you have any questions or want to connect to any of our pastors, please go to our Bethany Chapel app and choose Connect or go online to bethanychapel.com and click Come. Thanks again and God bless you.